Hi, it's Pastor Iron, the lead pastor of Christ Nations Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I pray that something is said to build your faith, starve your doubts, and empower you to live in victory. Now let's go into the message. All right, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 4. And today, you're about to go to a new level in your life, and that is not cliche. That is not cliche whatsoever. You are about to be catapulted like a rocket into a whole different, whole different level of faith in your life by the Spirit of the living God. You ready to go? You ready to go? You truly ready to go? Amen. Well, you, you, you're about to get the opportunity because we're about to hit the thrusters. We're about to do that. Romans chapter 4. Um, let's begin reading. At verse number 17, Romans 4 and 17, the scripture says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And here is our text uh, that is going to be a text that we feature as a title. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I want you to repeat after me, fully persuaded. One more time, fully persuaded persuaded. Here the Bible says that Abraham, the father of our faith, was propositioned, if you would. God came to him about having a child, and the Bible says he was, of course, 100 years old. Sarah was 90. He was old. Sarah's womb was dry. And here the father promises him posterity that could rival the sands on the seashore, the stars in the sky. And so he gives him a promise that is incongruent with his present natural circumstance. He says something to him that from the natural perspective could not happen. So much so that Sarah, we know, laughs. She says, you know, it's like, you know, we out here following you, almighty God, but my, how in the world could that ever be? Because she knows who she is, where she is. She knows what she has and what she's capable of from a physical perspective. And so she sees no way for this to happen. And we know the story of Abraham. We know the story of Ishmael and Hagar and all of the things that they go through. But the part that I want to draw out to you this morning, because the Holy Spirit wants me to to start here, is the Bible says in verse 21 that Abraham 
became fully persuaded at some point during this process that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Say it one more time. Say fully persuaded. Faith is not difficult. It's not a complex subject. It's not gray. It's not hard. A lot of people hear about faith, and man, they, they spend their entire life trying to believe. Because faith to them is a complex, complicated thing. Now, it can be complicated from the standpoint that what God promises will contradict what you see in your natural life. And it's that contradiction that creates a strain on you. You see this, and God's saying that. Right? You're living this, but God is saying that over there. But if you can deal with that contradiction, faith in itself is not difficult. And so the Spirit of God spoke to me about this and wanted me to share this with you as the first thing, the first stone we lay this month concerning faith, and that is to give you a practical definition of faith. And if you take notes, write this down. If you just want to commit it to memory, you can do what you want to with it, but it would do you good to keep this somewhere close. Faith is simply being persuaded by someone's integrity enough to act on their word. Faith is being persuaded by someone's integrity enough to act on their word. When you are persuaded and influenced by someone's integrity, when they say something to you, you act. Not only do you act, but you do the next thing people do when they believe, you say it. Now, I'm going to take a somewhat of a controversial and crude uh, example to prove this point, but it proves the point nonetheless because I've been watching this. And, and when, you, when you understand faith, you can see it in people, even in the practical things. You take, for example, everybody's gotten into a lot of division and strife over the vaccine, right? You see these people fussing and fighting back and forth and going on and people on both sides of the line about I ain't getting vaccinated, you better get vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. They just, I mean, they're just all over each other. Those who are convinced and persuaded by the integrity of our medical and science institutions act, they go get the vaccine. Why do they go get the vaccine? They trust the integrity of the institutions enough to do so. Not only do they act and go get the vaccine, and don't look at me, nobody's, this is not bad news, this is good. <laughs> you see how pol the politics has messed us up so much, we can't even hear from heaven. Come out of there, come out, come out, come, stay here with me. I'm a child of God. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. It's, but I'm, I'm proving a natural point so that you can see a spiritual truth. What's the next thing they do 
after they take it, they get the vaccine, they then say it. So they become preachers and proselytizers for the institutions that they are convinced of their integrity. So they say it and they act. And they'll get mad at you if you don't get it. Because they're convinced of the institution's integrity. They know that they know that they know that what the CDC is saying is absolutely true to them. Then you got people on the other side of the line. They are not convinced of the integrity of our institutions. They're not convinced at all. So what do they do? They act. They don't get a vaccination. (laughs) They run from the needle. They go the opposite direction, and what do they do secondly? They say it. So they say it, and so you got these two people proselytizing for their faith. But their faith is based on whether or not they trust the integrity of our institutions. And your faith is based on your persuasion, watch this child of God, of God's integrity. Do you trust God's integrity? You know, some of you, you have family members right now in your life where if they said something to you because of the track record they have with you, if they said, tomorrow I'm taking you to go do this, to go do that, you would be ready at that time tomorrow. You'd act on it. There are other family members because of their track record of integrity or the lack thereof. They can say something to you, and it move you not one bit. Well, they said they're coming, but I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> they said they were going to give me back my money, but I'll believe it when I see it. I let them borrow it, but I've decided I better just give it to them because they ain't never paid me back. <laughs> so you're not moved. You're not convinced of their integrity. And since you're not persuaded by their integrity, you don't act on what they say. Oh, my. The question for us as children of God is, are we persuaded by the integrity of our Father? Are you persuaded by his integrity enough to act upon what he says and to say what he says, even in the midst of contradictory circumstances? Can you be fully persuaded? Can you act on the word of G-O-D the way you act on the word of G-O-V? Where are you? Where are you in your life? Because see, everybody, we can get into the mechanics of faith. We can talk about, tell me how I'm going to say it. I'm going to name it and claim it, Pastor. Talk to me about all of that. No, 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 no. We got to start right here. Because nothing works if we don't trust our Father's integrity. Now you know why Hebrews eleven six tells us that without faith it's impossible to be pleasing to God. Why? Because if you don't believe him, it means you question his integrity. I know that's heavy, man. I know that's heavy. That's heavy, but let that, that, you got to swallow that. You got to get that down. Pat yourself on the back if you have to, because you got you to swallow that in. If, if you don't trust him 
It is a question of his integrity. I'm not persuaded by his integrity enough to act. I'm not persuaded by his integrity enough to say it. You're afraid if I say it or act on it, he just might let me down. He may not come through. You never know what God's going to do anyway. See, that's the religious idea. It paints this portrait of God that he's hit and miss. That he's deciding up in heaven, well, I will heal that one, but I won't heal that one. I will bless this one, but I won't bless that one. That he's sitting up deciding what he will do. Child of God, I'm about to show you in Scripture beyond doubt that that is not your heavenly father. Now, let's look at God's integrity. Let's look at Numbers 23. Numbers 23 and 19. We'll put that up on the screen for you. You remember when Isaiah, in Isaiah 53 and 1, you remember when he said, who has believed our report to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He's saying, who's believed the report of the Lord? Who has believed his report? Those that believe the report get the arm revealed. If you believe the report, he will show himself strong for you. If you don't believe the report, he can't show himself strong for you. Numbers 23 says, God is not a man. Oh, I'm going to stay right there. God is not a man. The body needs to understand this. Our father is not a man that he should lie, meaning he has no capacity for falsehood. He has no capacity for lying. There is no shadow of turning with him. God is not moody. (laughs) God is not sometimey. God is not petty. God is not a morning person or a night person. God has no mood swings. God has no changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God is not our issue because he's easy to be located because he doesn't move. We do. But see, he's not a man. He's not a man that he should move. He's not a man that he should vacillate. He's not a man that he should be double-minded. He's not a man that he should think twice. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent or change his mind. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it? good he's saying to us child of God if it's come out of my mouth it's yours he doesn't say I'll pick you up tomorrow at two and take you shopping and then don't show up because he got a flat tire because he found he wanted to do something else better because he got distracted 
He doesn't make promises he doesn't keep. He doesn't make promises he doesn't follow through on. God is not a man that he should lie. If it comes out of his mouth, it's yours. It, it's, it belongs to you. Hallelujah. That's the integrity of our Father. Let's look at one more instance. Let's go to Psalm 138, verse number 2. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. <laughs> Ooh, if he said it. If he said it. All I need to know is if he said it. That's how much integrity he has. And that's how persuaded I should be that if he said it, it's done. My God. Psalm 138 and 2 says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all your name. He has magnified his word, exalted his word above his own name, his own nature. I'm, I'm telling you, God has, he has absolutely contracted himself to his creation. He has said some things. He has promised some things to us. Now, people believe this, this, this idea, and it's false. They say, Pastor Aaron, God is sovereign. So that means he can do whatever he wants to do. I agree with you. God is sovereign. <laughs> no, you ain't going to get no argument out of me about that. He is absolutely sovereign. Number two, yes, he can do what he wants to do. But the sovereign God who can do what he wants to do has already decided what he wants to do. So when a sovereign God makes a promise to you, he has done what he wants to do. Whew, are you following me? So now in my life, I no longer question his will for me because I have what he said. And I can trust it. I can put my whole life on it. I can put the full weight of my life on what he said. I can trust his integrity. Now, since God has exalted his word above his name, and since his word is his bond, because of the integrity of our Father, we see now clearly why in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it tells me that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. That when I hear Faith comes. Isn't that true, though, in the natural? Isn't that true in just practical life that when you trust somebody, the moment they say something to you, faith comes? Yeah. Your children, and your, you, as, as their parents, when, when you say something to them, if you're, if you're proven trustworthy, which, which, which you are, your, your children, they act. If I tell my children, we're headed to Disney in the morning, Oh. <laughs> There'll be no sleep. There'll be no sleep whatsoever. They'll be, they'll, 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 they will run around the house. They will talk about it. They will daydream about being there. 
they will start talking about what they want to ride, talking about what they want to eat, talking about what they want to see. They'll be at Disney at the sound of my promise. They will take my promise and already be there. And that's what God wants you to do with his word. He wants you to take his promise and already be there with it. Man, fully, totally, completely persuaded. Now, one of the easiest ways for us to really see these things is to go through the scripture and show you this in action. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10. Go to Mark chapter 10 because you need to see fully persuaded in action because you need to know how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to be acting in your life. I'm I'm about to show you. (laughs) We're going to begin reading in Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse number 46. But before we read this, I want to read this to you out of John 14. You don't have to turn to John 14. I just want to read this to you because this is where Philip Philip says to to, to the Lord, he said, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And then Jesus said this to Philip. He says, how, 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 have I been so long a time with you, and yet you have asked me and not, and not known me, Philip? He said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. So how saith thou, then show us the Father? So Jesus says to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's letting us know to know the Father's integrity We look at Jesus. What we see in Jesus is in the Father. They're one and the same. So while we're talking about the integrity of our Heavenly Father, if we want to know that integrity, we want to experience that integrity, the way we do so is we look at Jesus. He gave us a full display of the Father's integrity, right? Okay, so let's let's now go to Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. You're, you're, you're just, you're not, you're not ready for this. This man, this, oh, you, you just ain't, you're not ready. I'm just ready. Y'all, y'all got to convince me you're ready. ready. You're ready. You're ready? ready. You're really ready. ready. Count, you kind of ready? ready. You're ready. You're ready. Okay, you're ready. Fully persuaded. We're going to read down through verse number 52. So I want you to follow along on the screen so we can read this through together. It says, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calls you. Next verse. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. I want you to underline verse 50. You should underline it, highlight it, do whatever, star it, circle it, whatever you need to do. That verse is going to change your life. 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Next verse. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Scripture says in another place that records this, that this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, sat by the roadside begging. Now, Bartimaeus, <laughs> evidently, had been there for a while. When you're called a beggar, uh, there are ways to identify you in Scripture. I'm going to get into that in just a minute. So, Bartimaeus had been there for a while. He was blind and he was begging just on the outskirts of Jericho. And as Jesus is passing by, there's a lot of noise with him. He hears a lot going on. Being a blind man, he could probably hear very well. So he hears all of this commotion going on. And in one other instance, one of the other, I forget the, the other disciple who wrote it, but he recorded the, I don't know whether it was Matthew or Luke, but they recorded and they record a few more details. They were just more detailed writers than Mark. Mark is an action man. He just get straight to it. <laughs> but as they're coming past blind Bartimaeus, he hears all of this commotion, and he asks them in one of the other Gospels, what meaneth this? What do I hear? And they tell him, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And when they tell blind Bartimaeus, it's Jesus of Nazareth, he starts hollering, Jesus! Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And they say, shut up, man. Hush. Jesus. The Bible says he got louder. <laughs> they tried to quiet him down. He got louder. Why are they trying to quiet this man? Because he's a, he's a beggar and he's blind. You got an issue here because, see, socially, he is not necessarily in the in crowd. Jesus is a rabbi, and he's coming with the group. And they're saying, look, be quiet, old man. You, 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 you're, you're a homeless, blind panhandler. And they're trying to get him to shut up because he's not in the right class. <laughs> but Bartimaeus breaks rank. Bartimaeus gets louder. Bartimaeus says, y'all can try to throw shade on me if you want, but I will turn this street inside out. <laughs> if I got to, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And he's screaming this, and he's making a real show. Oh, they wouldn't be telling him to be quiet. He's disturbing the peace so much, Jesus finally stops. The Bible says, and stand still. And say, go get him. Bring him here. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus asks him, what do you want 
me to do. Help me, Holy Ghost. He says, what do you want me to do in more profound than that? It is what blind Bartimaeus asked him. He asked him that I might receive my sight. Wait. Hold it. Hold it. Blind Bartimaeus is blind. He's never seen Jesus perform a miracle. Blind Bartimaeus is a beggar. So he asks for alms and things and stuff all the time. But when Jesus asks him, what does he want? He does not ask for silver or gold or raiment. He asks Jesus for his sight. Why would you ask a man you've never seen perform a miracle for your sight? I'll tell you why. Because somewhere along the way, Bartimaeus had heard. Bartimaeus had heard Jesus of Nazareth was a healer. That he was performing miracles. What he heard, I do not know. But I know he had to hear it. Because everybody else that he begged from gave him something. But on this one, he said, no, I want my sight. (laughs) Bartimaeus. Oh, man. Bartimaeus became convinced. Watch this child of God. Off of only what he heard. Fully persuaded. He hadn't seen it. He sat there on that roadside begging. And you know how the grapevine is. Every now and again, the grapevine will bring you good news. Every so often. Every so often. And evidently through the grapevine, there came this noise, this, this news about this Jesus of Nazareth. They were talking about him healing. They were talking about him raising the dead. They were talking about him doing all of these great miracles and signs and wonders. And that man, having never seen Jesus, sat by that roadside begging. He had to have heard about it, and he had to have held on to it in his heart. And so when he heard the commotion, and they told him, what, he said, what is all of that? He, they, they told him, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's Jesus. It was his moment. He knew it was his time. So he wouldn't let him shut him up. He wouldn't let him shut him up. He wouldn't let him make him be quiet. Why? Because he knew this was my moment. This is it. This is it. I've heard about this Jesus of Nazareth. I've heard about it. So when he walks up to Jesus, he asks him that I might receive my sight. Man, when I read that, it jumped off the page in me. I was like, why is this beggar asking him for his sight unless he heard? He had heard, maybe heard about the woman with the issue of blood. Maybe he heard about the Canaanite woman. Maybe he heard about the man whose son was, was a paralytic. Maybe, I don't know what he heard, but he heard it. And you ain't ready for this. And in verse 50, when Jesus said, tell him to come here. 
Bartimaeus had a cloak on. <laughs> Y'all just going to have to follow me. He had a cloak on. And the Bible says when Jesus called him, he threw it off. He tossed it. He tossed it. That don't mean much to you unless you recognize several scholars, several sources of biblical knowledge concerning biblical times and, and the customs of the day. A blind man was considered a curse. He couldn't work. There's nothing he could do. And because he couldn't work, they would issue them a garment. That garment would identify him as a blind, in, incompetent, or incapacitated person. So it allowed him to beg lawfully. So as long as he's wearing this coat, he could beg because it was his way of having a living. He could eat. He could get something to keep himself warm. He could find something to lay on. People could give to him. And that coat signified him as being a legal beggar. And when Jesus called the man, this, this <laughs> he was moving simply over what he heard. He hadn't seen a miracle. He'd only heard of Jesus of Nazareth. But he was so persuaded that he was never going to be a blind beggar again. That when Jesus called him, he took it off. Take off now. He took it off. He dropped it right where he was. He said, I'm done with this life. <laughs> this is done. And he throws it away. Throws it away. He don't know what Jesus is going to say. If he had been in today's church environment, he would have been bound by now Bartimaeus. You don't know that it's necessarily God's will to heal you. You know, sometimes God teaches us things through blindness. You know, God might be trying to teach you something with that. You can learn a little humility by begging. Bartimaeus, he would have probably, I don't know what he would have did to you if you had told him that, because blind Bartimaeus wasn't hearing it. Blind Bartimaeus was fully persuaded. He not only knew it was going to be his healing, he knew it was the change of his entire life. He knew it. Before he even got to Jesus. He throws that thing away because he knows he is not coming back to that life ever again. That is fully persuaded. And blind Bartimaeus is the perfect example for the believer today because blind Bartimaeus was blind. So he hadn't seen anything. 
He had to do all this off of listening. Faith comes by hearing. Huh? Faith comes by hearing. So blind but mess, all he had was his hearing. And his hearing gave him sight. What will your hearing give you? See, it's your hearing. It's your ability to believe and be convinced in the integrity of the master. He was so convinced of Jesus' integrity, he threw that thing off. They called him, said, they'd say, calm down, he's calling you. Get up, come on, let's go. He took that coat off, pitched it to the side. He was like, that's it. <laughs> that's it. He, he knew, if I just get in front of him, he sounded like the woman with the issue of blood who came in the press behind, and she didn't even want his attention. We talked about this Wednesday. You need to go back and listen to Wednesday. He, he, she came in the press behind, and she said, I don't, I don't even need his attention. He ain't got to say a thing to me. All I want to do is touch the hem of his garment. And I shall be made whole. The Bible says she heard. They were convinced by what they heard. Now turn over here to Mark chapter 6. Let me show you something else. One of the great issues for us as children of God, one of the reasons why we don't see God do more in our lives is because we keep hanging on to our coat. We don't throw our garments away. Mark chapter 6, verse number 53 says, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Now, we could go through the woman with the issue of blood. We could go through blind Bartimaeus. We could look at Jairus and his daughter being raised, the Roman centurion, and his servant being healed, the Canaanite woman, and on 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 we could go. And what I want you to notice in all of these instances, if you go back and read it in your own time, is notice none of them, not one of them makes any provision for the thought that it might not be God's will. None of them. None of them. The woman with the issue of blood didn't even want to hear it. She didn't even have to hear from him. She was so scared. She, she was so scared to do what she did. The Bible says, fearing and trembling, she finally came and got down in front of him and told him everything that happened, but she didn't need anything. She was just like, I, I, I'm convinced. These people were convinced that they would be healed. They were persuaded. Fully, totally, 
and completely persuaded in the integrity of Jesus. They knew if they could touch him or they could get an audience with him, they would get what they wanted. And they got what they wanted. Now look at, now if you look at blind Bartimaeus here, notice here in the text, the Bible (laughs) doesn't even say Jesus even responds to Bartimaeus in terms of his sickness or his, his blindness. In verse 52, it says, And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made you whole. Jesus doesn't say, I rebuke the blindness. <laughs> Jesus, doesn't say, Jesus doesn't lay his hands on him. Jesus doesn't say anything to him, but go your way. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. A statement that Jesus used often. He would not say he made them whole. Oh, I know that's almost, that almost sounds sacrilegious to the religious mind. Well, you, Pastor Iron, you're just, you mean, I do mean to tell you exactly. I mean to tell you exactly what your Bible says. God is not in heaven picking winners and losers. He has nothing to do with that. It's what you believe. See, this is why faith as a subject is so important to Christians to understand because they will live their life beneath God's privilege for them because they're waiting on God to do something. What if blind Bartimaeus sat there and just waited for Jesus to notice him? He would have been just like all the other blind beggars of his time. Carried around, laid around all the time. You remember the man laid at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John are headed to the tabernacle and headed to the temple to pray? And he's laying there. That's what they did. They would take the beggars and they would lay them in places where they could beg All throughout the New Testament, they would lay them in certain places where they could beg and receive something because they couldn't work for either being blind or they were, this man was halt, his legs didn't work, he was paraplegic. And there he was laying there, and he asked them for alms (laughs) because he hadn't heard. And if he had heard, he didn't believe. So Peter looks at him and he says, I ain't got silver and gold. But there's some I do have. Now, now, now listen to this. And such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And the man got up. We have made this too difficult. God is not hard to figure out, to relate to, or understand. What can you believe? What can you believe? And I know it's going to take you a minute. It's going to take you a minute because in your heart, your heart's like, yes. And then your head is like, no. Your heart's like, yeah. Yeah. 
healing. No. Heart's like, yes, religion is like, no. Your heart is like, son of David. <laughs> this is my moment. But religion comes along and says, no, you need to be quiet. You can't do that. You can't just confess the word. You can't stand on God's word. You can't believe God's word like that. You can't step out on it like that. You can't be fully persuaded. And religion will keep you beneath God's will for your life. What is it in your life right now, right where you are, that God has given you a promise about and you're sitting there waiting on him to do it? Stop waiting. Stop waiting. Start believing. Start acting on the integrity of your father. If he said you're healed, you're healed. Now, you have, to, you have to put that in your heart. You have to meditate on it. You have to ponder on it. You have to keep it in your heart because I'm telling you, the Scripture says faith cometh by hearing. It doesn't say faith comes by having heard. You know, it's like me coming up to you saying, <laughs> you know, you want to go out to eat? And you're like, no, I ate last week. <laughs> no, you don't do that. Why? Because, you know, strength don't come by having eaten. It comes by eating. So you eat every day. And that's the same with hearing. You have to keep hearing. And hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, because faith don't come from having heard. So many Christians are trying to live victorious over something from way back when. No, you have to keep hearing every day. You have to get in God's word, and you have to expose your heart and your life to what God said. Why? Because the world is constantly talking to you. The devil is constantly talking to you. This culture is constantly talking to you, and you're going to have to put that word in your heart. You put it in your heart and you become fully persuaded enough to act on it. You will get what you want, just like blind Bartimaeus, just like the woman with the issue of blood, just like Jairus, just like the Canaanite woman, just like everybody in the Scripture. Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen your father. It's that simple. Faith isn't hard. We got to be persuaded. Are you persuaded? You persuaded? Stand up on your feet. The question this morning about whatever it is in your life that you're dealing with is can you do what blind Bartimaeus did. Can you hear his word and be willing to throw your coat away? To say, I'm done with worrying, the fear, the anxiety. I'm done stressing. I am going to put my life on thus saith the Lord. That's what he did.
And he took that thing off and tossed it right where he was, right where he used to beg. He took it off and he dropped it because he knew that was it. Simply off of a word he had heard. Can you make that decision in your spirit? Can you make that decision in your heart and in your mind to act upon the promise? That God's word, you trust his word just as quickly as you would trust the word of a doctor, a lawyer, a trusted friend. That you're convinced of your father's integrity. And just because there are contradictions, it doesn't mean anything. Those contradictions, they'll be screaming at you just like those people were screaming at Bartimaeus. Be quiet. And your contradictions, your circumstances will be screaming at you. You don't need to say that. You don't need to be calling yourself blessed. You don't need to be calling yourself healed. You don't need to be saying you're the head and not the tail. Look at you. You can't even afford to do this. You can't afford to do that. You don't need to be standing or you don't need to be saying all that and declaring all that. Your circumstances will scream at you just like they talked to Bartimaeus. And your circumstances will try to get you to be quiet, to hush to not stand on the promise of God, but I dare you to be as tenacious as Bartimaeus. And the more your circumstances talk, the louder you get. The louder you get. Why? Because you are persuaded by your father's integrity. By his integrity. He's not promising you what he's promising you for nothing. No, 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 he can be trusted. He can be trusted. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for what our ears have heard. We thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Spirit, not just of sin, but the conviction of the Spirit of unbelief. That we see where we can trust you. We can put the full weight of our life on what you say. If you're in this place this morning and you've got a sickness in your body, I want you to put your hand on whatever area that is where you're sick. We are fully persuaded. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are fully persuaded. If he said it, he'll make it good. Father, your word declares that when we desire what we desire when we pray we believe we receive them and we shall have them so father concerning these issues in our bodies for every person under the sound of my voice i come into agreement with them now for their healing thank you lord thank you for what jesus has done to take sickness and disease away from us thank you for your healing power thank you for your healing touch. Thank you right now, Father, for healing me. I dare you to declare it. Say, I'm healed. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that I am healed. I just rejoice, and I thank you for your healing. I thank you for making me whole. I thank you for making me brand new. I thank you for healing my body. Hallelujah. Come on, rejoice and be healed. Come on, rejoice. Act on it persuaded that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to your faith hallelujah and in your home right now in your finances in your marriage in your relationship with your your spouse or your children wherever you're dealing with an issue i want you to just begin to thank god 
Thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Thank you, Lord, you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I have your word on it. I have your promise on it. I'm persuaded. I don't have to fret. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. Thank you, Lord, for mending my marriage, mending my home. Thank you for protecting my children. I don't have to be afraid. They dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Under, their, under your shadow, they trust, they abide. I have your word on it. I have your word on it. Hallelujah. And I can rest in what you say. Thank you for joining the podcast. If you were blessed and encouraged by what you heard, we invite you to share this message and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to visit ChristNations.com for all the latest messages and happenings with our ministry. And engage with us on all our social media platforms, on Facebook at CNCTXK and on YouTube at Christ Nations Church. We look forward to connecting with you. And remember, one word from God can change your life forever.